following sermon is from Faith Bible Church, located in Murrieta, California. More information about Faith Bible Church is available at www.faith-bible.net. How many of you ever did, when you were in elementary school, and they gave you a styrofoam cup, they put soil in it, and you put a seed in there, and you grew a plant. Anybody grow the plant, the seed? you remember that? Okay, all five of you, thank you, back section, for being with me. Yeah. How many of you right now, currently, have a vegetable garden in your backyard? Can I see your hand? Look at that. People concerned about the future. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you've ever, ever grown anything, then you know the law of the harvest. And the law of the harvest cannot be changed. The law of the harvest cannot be ignored. And the law of the harvest, are you ready for this, is essential for our lives to embrace. You reap what you what? So say it with me. You reap what you sow. It is the law that God has put into place that cannot be changed in any way at all. In fact, I want you to read it aloud with me because it's now found in our study of Galatians. If you're new with us, we're working our way through the book of Galatians we have this week, next week, and the following week, and that's it. We're done. Lord willing, with this incredible study. As we worked our way through the entire epistle, I want you to read aloud, though, from your outline so we can read it together. Verses 7, 8, 9, and 10 in Galatians chapter 6. Let's read it here together with enthusiasm. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh shall from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. It is pretty simple, all right? You want to understand reaping and sowing? Maybe you're a little younger, I don't get it. It's this, basically to sow is to plant and to reap is to harvest. That's it. And that's your life. That's why he puts it here. Your life is all filled and every moment is reaping and sowing. Reaping and sowing. And the context makes this really pointed because if you've been with us in our study, you understand that if you live by the deeds of the flesh, there will be consequences. If you live by manifesting the fruit of the Spirit through you, there will be consequences. And even your salvation by grace through faith, which Paul has worked really hard to establish with the Galatian churches, it is by grace, it's a gift from God, it is by through faith, and it is in Christ alone. That gospel does not change this law. Yes, you're delivered from the ultimate sin and the ultimate consequences of sin and death, correct? but you still reap what you sow, right? Let me put it to you simply. If you rob a bank as a Christian, you still go to jail. (laughs) There are consequences to our behavior. And so understand each of you bear responsibility 
for your own behavior. Yes, you're forgiven. Yes, you're cleansed and made whiter than snow. Yes, all your sin, past, present, and future, but you will still suffer the consequences if you live by the flesh. Paul is making that point here. I'm not. Paul is. And he's telling you, you need to realize that if you live consistently by the flesh, you're going to reap judgment. If you live consistently by the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. If you dabble in the flesh, there's going to be consequences even as a Christian. And if you dabble in the Spirit, there as a Christian will be consequences too. On the positive side, every aspect of your life is a sowing and reaping process. You're saying, well then, why would anybody do something dumb? You know, why would they lie or gossip or live indifferent or, or get involved sexually or something like that? Well, the reason we do that is point number one, the lies. The lies. We've lied to ourselves and we deceived ourselves and that's why Paul makes it really strong in verse 7. The very first four words are, do not be what? Deceived. God is not mocked, but whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Why do we do things, think things, feel things that are basically going to result in negative consequences? Because we've lied to ourselves. Listen, our whole society has lied to itself. Have they not? About the consequences of their actions. Well, Christians kind of fall into this. So Paul commands the Galatians because I don't want you to be deceived by this. I want you to live with the reality that you will suffer consequences even as a believer. When he says deceived, it means to wander. It means to get off the path. And the word actually is very interesting. When you translate it into English, it's the word for planet. You say, why is that? Well, ancient astronomers, when they looked at the heavens, they found these certain stars were wandering through the fixed stars, kind of making their way through that, and those were the planets, right? And they gave that term to wandering away from that which is fixed or that which is right. And so it became a synonym or a truth-bearing action to understand that you're led astray, you're self-deceived, you're going your own way. And the tense tells us that we're being pressed into this deception. It's happening to us. Do we not live in a society that basically hammers us with hedonism and denying the reality that we're going to suffer consequences? So you want to write this down. What is the lie? Here is the lie that Paul is really keen on and focusing on, and it's this. Write it down. There are no consequences to your choices. That is happening societally, and it should not happen to you because you need to bear the reality that there are consequences to your choices. This is the most popular falsehood of our time, that you can do whatever you want and not be held accountable or suffer consequence. That you can sow to the flesh and not pay a negative price. So you can keep on speeding. You'll not get a ticket. <laughs> right? You can gossip and not have it damage others. You can do drugs and not get hooked or damage yourself. You can have sex outside of marriage and not permanently harm others or experience massive guilt. Daily you are drenched with this hedonism and humanism, that there's no God that you're accountable to, there's no law uh, apart from your own pleasure, your own greed, your own self, which is your number one pursuit. That's our society. So Paul adds this warning, verse 7, to make sure you get it clear, God is not what? Mocked. And he warns the readers to not attempt to turn their nose up at God. Listen, as Christians, we cannot live as if he's not in control. 
We cannot live as if he's not the judge that we're going to answer to. Yes, every single sin is taken care of by Christ on the cross, but we will still be accountable for our actions. Are you with me on this? That's what he's saying. When you try to beat this law, you're literally sneering at God. You're, you're making fun of him. You're, you're attempting to evade his harvest law as if you're trying to outsmart him, and you can't do it. And again, it's passive. You're deceived. You're mocked. It's happening to you. And basically, he's telling you, verse 7, making it really clear, whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Again, you reap what you sow. You cannot change this law. It's God's law. Watch a trash movie at home, it's going to affect your thinking. Dwell on evil thoughts, it's going to change your behavior. Feel sorry for yourself, it's going to start to wear on your friendships. Cheat on homework, lie on official papers, there's going to be a price to pay down the road. Treat church like an option, remain as a spectator, and there will be consequences. It will affect you, it will affect your family. On the other hand, If you live dependent upon the Spirit of God, wanting what He wants more than anything, for Him to work through you according to the Word of God, then as you do, you're going to reap reward. There's going to be blessing. There's going to be ministry and wisdom. He says you'll reap from the Spirit. Both ways, both positive and negative. You cannot beat this law. You cannot prove God wrong. When you try, you will fail. You put seed in the ground, you will reap. You reap what you sow. And don't be deceived about it, the very first thing. What's he say in verse 7? Do not be deceived. And we know from Jeremiah 79 that our hearts can deceive. We can lie to ourselves. And what's he say? The heart is more deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Christian, never allow yourself to think that God does not deal severely with sin in the lives of his children. Yes, it's dealt with, but there are still consequences. Understand, these Galatians are starting to drift into legalism. They're starting to get warped a little bit. And so they're depending on their works and not God's work. And it's going to affect them. And Paul's saying this is an unbreakable law. Whether you go assume God's grace and I can do anything I want, or you're going to get really rigid and be legalistic, it's going to affect you and there's going to be consequences. So he wants to warn his readers to make sure they don't go off into extremes. And that's why you need to know, number two in your outline, the laws. You need to know the laws. I'm going to give you four of them. There are more than four, but we only have time for four. So we're going to go through four of them, the laws, harvest laws, basically telling you, are you ready? The choices you make today will affect your future. The disciplines you make today will affect your future. The habits that you develop today will affect your future. The choices and determinations of the direction of your life today will affect your future. Are you tracking with me? What you do today makes a difference. You reap what you, come on, own it, own it, like it's a conviction. And first of the laws that I want to highlight today is you reap only what you sow. You reap only what you sow first. He says in verse 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. You reap only what you sow. When you seed no, (laughs) when you reap or you sow no seed, there's no crop. Are you tracking with me? If you don't put any seed down, nothing happens. If you're apathetic, you're bored with Christianity or Christ, which would be horrific, there's nothing going on spiritually in your life. It's because there's been no fruitful sowing going on. 
you got to be in the sowing process. There are consequences to no personal Bible study. Consequences to no prayer. Consequences to no giving, no service. You're reaping no harvest because there's no sowing going on. You reap only what you sow, so if you sow nothing, you reap what? Ooh. Wow. Imagine a garden. And I, I've been imagining a garden at my new house now for about three years. I'm imagining it. Nothing's happened. I'm putting, you know, seeds around other plants that exist. That kind of thing. That, you know, but understand, with, with incredible preparation, you do the soil. You get it all worked up. Maybe it's an elevated bed, whatever you got. And you're all ready to go, but you don't put any seed in the soil. What's going to happen? That's right, Gary. Weeds. Weeds are evil. Weeds are from the fall. Every time I pick a weed, I go, yeah, thank you, Adam. Okay? <laughs> right? Man. After a couple of months, you got a bunch of pretty dirt, and you got a bunch of weeds discouraging you. But if you plant some seeds, and you water, and you fertilize, as soon there'll be fruit. And you get back what you put in. And if you're really a beginner, go tomato and zucchini. They'll shock you. Okay? So... If your Christian life becomes a drag, or it feels wasted, or no fruit, no joy, no taste, remember, fruit comes from sowing seeds, dependent cultivation, dependent effort and work. Fruit comes from prayer, and encouraging others in the Word of God, and sharing the gospel, and using your giftedness and service, and giving, and fellowship, and all of it, allowing the Spirit to work through you. You know what fruit is? Fruit is Jesus Christ showing Himself through your life. The Spirit of God manifesting Christ. But you have to cooperate. You need to depend. You need to serve. You need to plan. And if you don't plan, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. You, by, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Now, would you just for a moment, I, I, just as a test, think about the most godly person you know. Think about it. Just that. Don't write their name down. Don't, don't whisper to your spouse, Fred. You know, don't do that. Just the most godly person you've ever met in your entire life. Got it? They did not get that way without a lot of big sowing. They, they, they great, dependent, long periods of time and effort. And now you see what they're reaping. The most godly person you know, that didn't happen by accident. They were dependently sowing and sowing in and through their life. Look at your own life. You see fruit, fruit of character, fruit of service, fruit of God's work in and through you. Ask yourself, have I been sowing? Have I been sowing? Last week, you remember verses 1 through 6, we spent two weeks on it. And it talked about helping those who are stuck in sin. It, it talked about bearing other people's burdens and bearing your own responsibilities. And then by verse 6, which is really the context here, to verse 7, he says, giving financially so that the church can get healthy and fixed. And he says, basically, I'm asking, are there any really sowing going on in your life with any of those areas? And, and even giving. Giving can be tough. Sometimes it exposes an unsaved heart. It really does. It shows us that we're just totally fixated on materialism in this world. 
Sometimes, though, it's, it's exposing a maturing heart, a growing heart, or a heart that's now new in the faith. As people grow selfless, as they grow disciplined, they begin to budget, they begin to think about eternal things, and they say, you know what, that should reflect in my, my giving, and, and it, it can be tough. It can be tough because sometimes it doesn't seem like there's little fruit. I don't know if you've been in situations where you're like, I don't know if I give here, I don't see anything going on, you know? At FBC... Gina and I never struggle here with that because we see so much wonderful fruit. I'm just being genuine with you. Uh, at baptisms, we're overwhelmed by he- how people get saved. And regularly, people are telling us how they're growing in the Word and how they're growing in the faith. Last week at Next Steps, we have this lunch that we offer people about every six weeks and meet new people. And I, I met this older couple. I don't know how old he was, but he was old. And he was sharp, really sharp guy. Uh, I don't know if he knew Methuselah, but he was, you know, he was definitely up there. Um, and he looked me right in the eye and he said, you have the most loving church that I have been into in my entire life. And I thought, praise God that you have been so faithful to greet and love, to meet people on the patio, to welcome them into our church, to welcome them into your CGs. That's, that's you have... S- reaped what you have sown. Does that make sense? And rejoicing over that. But it's not just you reap only what you sow. But Paul's not finished here describing the law. Secondly, he says you reap the same thing you sow. You reap the same thing you sow. Look at verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit Reap eternal life. Now, you know this, but when you sow corn, you don't produce watermelon, right? When you sow apples, you don't reap oranges, and when you sow beans, you don't harvest peaches. If you're sowing to the flesh, you're not going to sow to the Spirit. If you're sowing to the Spirit, you're not going to reap the flesh. If you're so spending, you're going to reap debt. It's pretty simple. I had a friend who was participating in secret sin, and we didn't know it for about six months, and then he repented, and it amazed us that it literally took him about six months to fully grasp what he had done. He was involved in sin for six months. It took him about six months to figure out what he'd done. This is a believer because of self-deception. He sowed some serious sin and reaped a whirlwind of consequence. Sometimes, this happens a lot, instead of a husband choosing to love his wife regardless, or a wife choosing to respect her husband regardless, the spouse will expend so much effort trying to change their spouse instead of doing what they're called to do that they sow strife and they reap a dissentious home. They actually make things worse by not doing what God had called them to do. Sometimes we're casual and Christians are casual. You meet them in our community about church. They're hit and miss with attendance. They're non-committal in service. Little giving. Then they wonder why their children, as they grow older, are not interested in Christ. You reap what you sow. Men and women, if you sow in the flesh, you reap in the flesh. You will reap the same thing you sow. God can. God does forgive. If you're in Christ, He's forgiven. But that does not remove all the consequences of your actions and decisions. The eternal ones it does. 
you're no longer destined for eternity in hell, for sure, but there's still going to be consequences because you reap what you... You can see this multiple ways in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Look at the life of David after he sowed to the flesh with Bathsheba. Just look at what happened to his life after he was confronted and after he was literally forgiven by God. His children turned immoral and murderous. Just like David was immoral and murderous. There was rebellion in the midst of his household and rebellion in the kingdom just like David had rebelled from God. Forgiveness does not remove the consequences of your actions. You will reap after sowing sinful choices. Verse 7, he says, do not be what? Deceived. John Stott, commentator, really great guy, writes this. Every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fancy, wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Now he goes on to describe all kinds of situations, but we reap what? Well, Paul shows us how the pattern of continual sowing will reap corruption or eternal life. Now look at verse 8 again, because you see corruption and you see eternal life as consequence. Look at what he says. He says, for the one who sows to his own flesh, in his own strength, doing it on his own, shall from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap what? Eternal life. Now, if you're continually sowing in the flesh, you get corruption, a word that's used of decaying food. Now, where do you see decaying food? Every workplace known to mankind, if you open the fridge at your workplace, in the very back is corruption. There it is. Decaying food. It's right there. And it's gross, and it grows things, and the aliens come out of that. It's incredible. And although genuine trust in Christ saves you from spiritual death, you can reap corruption a little bit as a believer. Paul warns you if sowing the flesh is your life pattern, then you're not genuine. But you can taste of this because the contrast is this. If you sow to the Spirit according to the Word of God, in God's strength, by the power of the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. Now, eternal life is, yes, living forever with Christ. But because it has eternal in it and life, we think, well, he's just talking about that, you know, living forever. It's actually more than that. Eternal life in the New Testament is described as a quality of life. Anybody ever pick berries for a pie? You ever done that? Oh, you don't have to raise your hand. But you pick berries, right? When you pick berries, do all the berries make it into the pie? No, right? Because you're picking berries and you're, okay, you're popping them. Right? Sometimes till you're full, then the, bear, the pie gets the rest, kind of thing. That's what eternal life is. The moment you're given eternal life, you get to enjoy the taste, the sweet taste of what it means to be in Christ right now. Plus, you get the eternal pie. As soon as we're born again, we enjoy it. And it refers to quality, not just duration. And Paul warns here that no sin can separate you from eternal life, yet any sin can corrupt your enjoyment of eternal life. Are you with me? It can affect it. That's why some Christians that you meet occasionally, doesn't happen very often here, but we get them here, are some of the most miserable people on the planet. Even more miserable than an unbeliever. Why? Because they're sinning and not dealing with it, and they're in conflict with their new born-again nature. The non-Christian doesn't have that conflict, but you do. But so a life of dependence in the Spirit and obedience to the Word of God, you're going to reap eternal life now. A man sows to the Spirit when he denies his own ambition 
in order to serve others. A, a woman sows to the Spirit when she reconciles with her sister in Christ. A husband and wife sow to the Spirit when they repent of their selfishness and begin to work together in true spiritual partnership of oneness as well as filling out their roles. Verse 8 says, you sow to the flesh, you get corruption. And if the flesh is a way of life, then you get eternal condemnation. So to the Spirit, and you get eternal life now, you get to taste of that now. And if it's continual, it shows that you're heading for Christ for all eternity. That's number two. Number three, the third law, you reap in a different season than you sow. You reap in a different season than you sow. Verse 9 is a really important verse to encourage your heart. It says, let us not lose what? Now, I know some of you have, and some of you have experienced this in the past for sure. Don't lose heart in doing good, serving, sowing. For in due time, we shall reap if we don't grow weary. If we don't grow weary. When I plant seeds in March and April and May, I don't get any zucchini till August. Are you with me on this? It takes a while to produce. And Paul's telling us there is a harvest time, an appointed time for spiritual harvest, both a negative harvest and a positive harvest, both, both kinds. There, harvest time is coming. Think about, I think culturally, uh, we've lived long enough, those of you who are a little bit older, remember in the 70s, the homosexual community coming out of the closet. Within 10 years, one decade, they were experiencing this horrific thing called AIDS. They were reaping what they were sowing. Do you understand that culturally? There's consequences to that kind of lifestyle. If you lie at work, if you cheat at school, if you get drunk at home, if you take drugs in secret, if you get sexually involved outside of marriage, if you're apathetic and indifferent and you don't guard your heart, you live a life of self-centeredness, harvest time is coming. It's coming. Paul says, do not, verse 7, be what? Deceived. You'll not get away with it. There are consequences. And Paul states the law, verse 9, positively as an encouragement. You reap in a different season than you sow. Uh, maybe you remember, there used to be car oil filter commercials on TV. And Fram, the oil filter company, had this commercial. And the commercial had a theme and it was really poignant. It said, you can pay me now or you can what? Pay me later. That's what we're talking about here. There's going to be a time. Harvest time is not now, but it's coming. It's coming. Now, sometimes you get to see fruit right away, but sometimes you've got to wait for eternity. And that's why you should develop habits in your guy-girl relationship now that will strengthen your marriage later and not undermine it. Uh, you can develop new patterns in your marriage now that will keep you close while your children get older and start walking out the door. Uh, you can develop convictions in your walk with God now, you need to, that will keep your heart tender to Christ, alive in Christ, intimate with Christ, close to Him later. And you should develop some commitments in ministry now that will allow you to reap an eternal harvest later. Are you getting it? You reap what you sow. Now, here's the problem. It won't be easy. You must invest without immediate return. And you know what our struggle is? Our culture is the microwave culture. We want it when? Now. Now. I want it now. I can look it up on my phone. Now. 
We get bored easily. We tire of faithfulness. We remove endurance from our thinking, even as a culture. We have to be willing to serve, to give, to fellowship, to disciple with intentional relationship, to teach, to preach, to pray, to share the gospel, to greet people, to invest. All that we're doing, seeing little fruit immediately and wondering sometimes, will fruit ever come? And just stay at it. Don't let your heart grow what? Weary. You reap in a different season than you sow. You reap in a different season than you sow. And Paul exhorts, verse 9, do not lose heart. That means grow weary. Don't get exhausted. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. Labor for Christ and you will be rewarded. And all of last week was about service and involvement in each other's lives. And he's saying, make sure you stay with it. Verse 9 challenges you. Keep your heart fresh, intimate with Christ, through the Word, through prayer, your service enduring when the season is delightful and when the season is really difficult. Stay with it. Anybody gone through a difficult season in their Christian life? Can I see your hands really quick? Look, stay with it. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, immovable, like a wall that can't be broken, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil, work, your labor is not what? In vain. It's not empty in the Lord. Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love that you have shown towards his name and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. Paul's not talking about salvation, he's talking about blessing. He's talking about your service and your ministry and eternal reward ultimately. And he's saying it is possible, here's the scary part, to serve God for a long time, then give up and lose blessing here and reward and glory. So he just says, right there. Gina and I have talked a lot about this of late, especially we get some pressure not here at church but outside. You know, you, gotta, you guys going to need to slow down. You just, yeah, anybody telling you seniors that? You got to slow down. We remind ourselves, look, we want to run across the finish line, not crawl. We want to get across the finish line. Now, God's in charge of all that. We understand that. Well, we're going to go for it. And the Apostle Paul, write this verse down. It's not in your notes. He warned 2 John 8. He said, watch yourselves, 2 John 8, that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Meaning, you could not receive a full reward. You don't see much fruit now. Remember, harvest time is coming. Harvest time is coming. Make choices now to invest into others. There are lots of opportunities. Listen, commit to weekly ministry in order to serve others. Commit to daily prayer to impact others. Commit to investing God's word into those you disciple. Commit to giving to a church that trains and sends. Commit to encouraging missionaries on short-term teams and writing them and loving on them and praying for them. Commit to greeting and caring and meeting brand new folks as opportunities to love the saints and to share the gospel. So you sow now and you reap when? Later. Later. Some of you stopped doing good. You've grown weary. You've lost heart. Would you allow the Lord today to stir you up? To turn you back on, to stay faithful. I have a confession. I know you love it when I make confessions. I have a confession. A long time ago, I was working with, oh, about 300, sometimes 400 junior hires. And I, at times, it wasn't all the time and it wasn't all day, but there would be times that I would wonder after I'm teaching and discipling and training the staff and sharing the gospel, I, I, I doubt it. Anybody ever doubted? that all your efforts were going to count for nothing? 
Anybody with me on this? I, it wasn't all day, and I didn't stay there, but I remember doubting. Like, is this really going to pay off? Is this really gonna, does this really count? I mean, come on. I don't ever say that anymore. I don't ever doubt that anymore, ever. Because every single year that I have been here, one to five of those same junior hires, some of them are now grandparents. That's how old I am. Me and Methuselah are together, okay? <laughs> and they remind me how God saved them, sanctified them, transformed their lives, and they've never been the same since that time. Every year, I never doubt it, that those efforts ongoing are going to, that sowing is going to reap. But what's so exciting about it is on the backside of your notes, fourthly, you will reap more than what you sow. You'll reap more than what you sow. I planted one corn seed, I got a stock, and all of a sudden there's three to four cobs on there, and there's hundreds of seeds on there. You always reap more than you sow. Positively, you can serve and pray and give now as a part of the, what God is doing, even as a church family together and all over the world. And someday, we're all going to be shocked by how much fruit that produced. Negatively, at the same time, your actions, your thoughts, your words can also and will also produce horrible consequences. In fact, sowing just a few minutes of immoral pleasure even just once can reap a lifetime of guilt, deep hurt from a spouse, the lack of respect from your children and family and friends, shame and even disqualification. Just one moment. One moment of sowing can reap a lifetime of harvest. A single seed can produce a bumper crop of consequence. Just a few words like, I hate you to your parents. I wish I never met you to your spouse. Or I wish we'd never had you to your children can leave permanent scars. You reap what you sow. One act of thievery, one moment of drunkenness, one little lie, one flirtation can reap horrific ongoing consequences. At the same time, a life of faithful ministry, depending on the Spirit of God, discipling, teaching, training, serving, loving, gathering, Sharing, ushering, hosting, counseling, evangelizing, mentoring, investing, week in, week out, will produce great fruit. You'll see fruit. You know, Peter's my favorite apostle because Peter was the apostle of the foot-shaped mouth, right? And I identify with that. You know, just stick your foot right in there and chew thusly. And Peter was often, he'd make a statement and Jesus would go, wham, you know, and He'd say, I mean, can you imagine this? The Lord Jesus going, get behind me, Satan, to you. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty heavy duty. Are you with me on this? So Peter, he pops off with a comment. And I'm thinking, this is a perfect opportunity for Jesus to put him in his place. And he doesn't. What does he say? In Mark chapter 10, verse 29, he says, we've given up everything to follow you, Lord. And you're thinking, oh, okay, put him in his place, Jesus. No, he says, truly I say to you that there is one who has... No one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or fathers or children or farms for my sake or for sake of the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive what? A hundred times, circle that, a hundred times as much now and in the present age. Right now, a hundred times. Wow, Jesus. 
houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms, along with persecutions and also in the age to come, eternal life. You're going to reap fruit now, Peter, and in eternity. Both of them. Wow. So what difference do these laws make? Number three in your outline, the long haul, right? The lies, the laws, the long haul. Verse 9, he says, And do not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we don't grow weary. Get it, commit to the long haul. So while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those of what? The household of faith. Paul reminds the fact that your Christian life is going to take time. He says, in due time. He also reminds you that your Christian life is going to take dependent effort. He says, don't grow weary. The life of a Christian is life in the long haul. It's not all live today. It's long. The habits you do today will then make a difference forever. They make a difference, the habits. How many of you have been in a rowboat and actually rowed? Can I see your hands? Rowboat. Okay. Thank you for that. The rest of you, you've missed a treat. But in a rowboat, in this analogy, keep rowing your boat. Don't stop rowing. Don't take your oars out of the water. Because you take your oars out of the water, you drift downstream to the, towards sin of the world and evil, right? You've got to keep rowing. You've got to keep rowing. Sowing is not easy. It wasn't easy for Christ. It won't be easy for you. It's, it's farming. Farming is difficult. Farming is continual. Farming is patient work. So Paul shares the key to farming, sowing and reaping. He says, don't lose heart in doing good. This is the Galatians. They're in the midst of false teachers tearing their churches apart. They're getting savage attacks against the Apostle Paul. There's all kinds of attacks towards legalism, towards license. It's errors everywhere. And Paul says, even in the midst of that, don't stop doing good. Christian, not once a month, not once a week, every day, don't stop doing good, don't faint, don't slack off, don't give up, don't grow weary, don't burn out, don't allow the opposition to wear you down. Now, I want to make a statement, and I'm not sure you're going to get it. When do you actually sense God's power in and through your life? Are you ready? When you're weary. There are some believers who never get weary in the work. And so therefore they're not clinging to his power and they don't sense him carrying them through. Are you tracking with me? Because when he works through you, what does he say? He says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. Verse 31, and those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. If you're teaching and they're not listening, hopefully right not now. If you're sharing and people aren't responding. If you're serving and it doesn't seem to be making any difference. If you're loving and no one cares. In the classroom of life, no teacher's giving you a star. No one's acknowledging you or recognizing you or appreciating you. Paul says, keep on serving. Keep on doing good. The secret of sowing is knowing you will reap. Sometimes you reap now, hundredfold, Peter. Sometimes it's later. But only if you don't grow weary. Literally, don't relax, don't loosen up, don't allow yourself to get exhausted by evil or this world or consequences or situations. 
don't allow it. It's incredible. Whether you sow seeds or skip the planting of your garden, weeds are going to grow anyway, correct? They're going to grow on their own, and all you got to do is nothing. Just cruise and you get weeds. Just coast. Stop rowing your boat. Relax. Take it easy. Take a break. Weeds are coming. And Paul says, look, good seed. You need to sow the good seed. You need to make the dependent effort to must be put forth. Because as you continue to sow seed, there'll be less weeds. There's less weeds for that. Survive and thrive in the Christian life. Not only must you remain faithful in ministry, verse 9, doing good, but never stop dealing with the weeds. And Paul says, if you accept the laws of the harvest, then you must work dependently now, be active in service so everyone while you, verse 10, look what he says, while you have what? Anybody? Opportunity. While you have what? Opportunity. Now, he's not talking about, here's a unique opportunity for you to serve. No, what he's talking about is at your rebirth to your death, that's your opportunity. Let me make it really simple for you, just by you know, saying an overall principle that you know is true. You will not be sharing the gospel. You will not be talking about Jesus Christ to anybody in heaven. They already are or aren't. Your only opportunity to make a difference in someone's life is when? Thank you. Now. And Paul says, don't forget that. This is your shot. And get this, the more seed you sow, the less weeds come up. And the more you do good, the less time you have to do evil. Minister to all. And verse 10 says, not just to all, but especially who? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. The first test of our love for God is our love for his family, his children. Look at John 13, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Do you know that wife who loves the stranger more than she loves her own husband? You know those parents who play with all the neighborhood kids and don't play with their own kids? Doesn't seem right, does it? It's wrong when a Christian is nicer to the lost than they are to their own Christian family. There should be such a love and a commitment to one another that the lost would be one a part of this family. And that's why he says, especially the household of God. Make sure that you glorify Christ by loving each other so that we can see fruit in the way that God produces fruit. Our Lord says to each of you, the greatest among you will be the servant. You're, you're gifted to serve. Christ is only seen as you serve others, so especially do good to his household, serve one another. You know, maybe you failed and I'm sure you have, because I have, in maintaining a right heart before the Lord. And maybe you failed to serve. And, and So what if you grew weary at one point or gave up? So what? Maybe you're in it right now. Maybe you've lost heart. Maybe others didn't appreciate your efforts. Maybe your family is demanding, your work overwhelming, and your school crushing. The one who calls you to serve God himself, what did he do? God of the universe became a man, lived a perfect life, and then offered himself to take all of the punishment that should have fallen on you and should have fallen on me, all his wrath upon himself on the cross, and died there. God died. 
And he rose from the dead three days later and ascended into heaven so that you and I could be made right. God did the work to take care of the sin that separated us from him. And you know how he motivated us? Because he did this not just to provide salvation, but he did it to motivate you. You say, how does it motivate us? Well, he talks about the Christian life in 2 Timothy chapter 2 as being an athlete who runs hard and a soldier who fights a war. And he talks about it being a farmer. And the farmer has to work hard. And you say, how do you motivate this farmer to work hard? How do you do it? He tells us in chapter 2, verse 8 of 2 Timothy, he says, remember who? Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. Christ is our example, our motivation, our power to sow now so that you will be able to reap later. So would you take this home with me? Take it home. Letter A, don't mess with God. How's that? People who think they can use secret sin and get away with it, they're fooling themselves. No one can mock God's authority as the sovereign of the universe. You know, if you're mocking God, you're like Goliath, and you know what happened to him, he lost his head. If you're mocking God, you're like Herod, and you know what happened to him, he was eaten with worms. God doesn't like that mocking. Are you sowing the seeds of destruction in your life? If you think you can get away with unrepentant, ongoing sin, you are sadly mistaken as a Christian. There are only two choices if you're an ongoing, unrepentant sin, and that is you're deceived, and you're just awaiting damnation. Or number two, you're disobedient, and you're just awaiting God's discipline. Either way, you've got to turn to Christ. Letter B, do not deny the laws of the harvest. Do not deny the laws of the harvest. The truth of sowing and reaping are not contradicted by the gospel of grace. Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of sowing and reaping. He sowed a perfect righteousness. He reaped eternal life, which he gives to those who trust in his finished work. But the believer reaps eternal life because in faith he's united with Christ because he did the work. But the believer is not exempt from all the consequences of his own sowing. You, Christian, will never reap the ultimate consequence of sin, which is death and judgment, because the Lord already reaped the consequences for you. Amen? He already did that. He died for you. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He did that, that incredible moment for you. But you'll continue to reap the earthly heartaches, wounds, shame, and pain of your sins and foolishness. God's law of cause and effect still operates in the lives of his children. Let's go with letter C. Embrace the sowing theology. God is sovereign and man is responsible. Is God sovereign? Yes. Are you responsible? Yeah, Philippians 2.12 makes it really clear. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not only as if you obeyed, but now in my presence, work out your salvation. Give, serve, minister, keep at it, never give up. Don't grow weary. Stay close to Christ. Sowing requires intentionality. It rarely happens by accident. Sowing requires faithfulness. It's never occasional. Sowing requires patience. It's never instant. Sowing requires planning. It's not random. It's not random. Sowing requires trust. You can't see fruit for sometimes, most of the time. And, re- and, and it requires this sense that you believe God. It requires faith. You have to believe that God will use you and stay at it. 
But there's hope. Verse 13 says, not only are you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but he says at the very instant, God's sovereign, for God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's prepared good works that you should walk in them. People's lives to impact, to love, to share, to teach, to disciple, to encourage. Keep sowing good. Trust the sovereign God who produces fruit. Stay with it. Letter D. Rely on sowing power. Sowing power. It is sowing to the Spirit. You, you cannot sow to the Spirit unless you're depending on the Spirit. Now listen, I don't want you to get weirded out by being filled with the Spirit. And, and really, I don't want you to be putting your notes away right now. Ugh. You live relying on Him, obeying His Word, surrendering to His guidance, wanting only what He wants. You know, what you, when you're filled with the Spirit, what you're saying to Him is you're saying all of me for all of you. You're saying... I give all that I am and all that I have for you. And you maintain that attitude. You're depending on him. Sowing is not merely service, it's spirit-filled service. Sowing is not merely discipling someone, it's spirit-filled discipling. It's spirit-enabling service. It's spirit-energizing greeting. Nothing you and I will ever do will count for glory and make a difference in eternity unless it's for the glory of God and in the power of the Spirit. You reap what you sow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. We pray that you would do your work in our lives and cause us to be different people because we've been in your word. We've heard your voice. And Father, we pray that we would respond with hearts that dedicate ourselves in worship, that love you, and adore you, and pursue you, and recognize that this law cannot be changed. And so we'll trust you, and give you praise for what you'll do as we respond. We pray that, again, you would be delighting in our offerings to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Sermon audio from the last three years is available by podcast, and a larger archive from Chris Mueller and Faith Bible Church can be found at media.faith-bible.net. And if you would, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks, and have a great day.